Hello, everyone, and glad you could join us. I'm your co-host, Rose Schooler, here with my fellow traveler and friend, Dana Boss. This podcast, Lead Up, focuses on the intersection of leadership and management with real life. Managing a team and leading a group can be super lonely and really demanding at times, and we see you and we celebrate you. So come hang by the virtual water cooler with two very different perspectives on this topic. Mine, a 30-year career at Intel, ending as a corporate VP, and Dana with a long career in management and leadership development in many different industries. So welcome to Lead Up, and thank you for joining us. Well, folks, we have our first interview-oriented podcast today with two of my fabulous colleagues from the International Rescue Committee, an organization I've worked with for years. The first is Meg Gallus, who is country director for the IRC, based in El Salvador, but oversees El Salvador, Honduras, Guatemala. El Salvador is one of the world's most violent countries, and there are many people displaced within El Salvador and in those other countries that Meg oversees. Uh, in 2021, more than 175,000 people were internally displaced. And Meg's the country director. So responsible for the strategic direction, responsible for oversight of all the programs and all the funds, and also has to do a lot of external work, raising funds, working with government or community members. Next is Mauricio Rodriguez, who I'm thrilled to see. He is the Deputy Director of Operations for IRC's Venezuela Crisis Response Team. Based in Colombia, but that crisis response is in Venezuela, Peru, Colombia, and Ecuador. I'm assuming most people listening realize that Venezuela has been in a tough situation for a long, long time. It has led to many people fleeing the country, and the IRC is involved in coordinating a response to help those refugees and displaced persons. The deputy director of operations is kind of like a COO, just in, oversees the country's program's critical support functions, IT, communications, supply chain, whatever. You ensure the trains run on time, and they're pretty complicated trains. So very quick speed round, just to give people a sense of your operations. Meg, what is your annual revenue? Or you can share what your overall budget is. Just a quick take on that. So our annual budget is 15,000, I'm sorry, 15 million this year. Okay, thanks. And Mauricio? Now we are more or less in 20, 20 million. 20 million. Okay, yeah. thanks. And now, it's a competition all the time. <laughs> yeah, no <laughs> doubt, between the country directors. Um, <laughs> now, what is the size of your organization overall, Meg? Like your entire country organization? We're um, 220 people spread across El Salvador, Honduras, and Guatemala. Um, we're about 100 in Guatemala and, and in Honduras, um, and then another 120 in El Salvador. All right. And how many direct reports do you have? Like, what's your team? My team is eight direct reports right now, which is too much. <laughs> yeah, it's a wide span of control. Maurizio, same question for you. What's your overall ops organization? For yeah. us, we are more than 400 uh, people for four countries. So most of the people are in, in Colombia, 
more than 220 more or less, 50 in Peru, uh, 20 in Ecuador, and more or less 45 in Venezuela. Okay. And how many direct reports do you have? What's your immediate team? I have also eight. I have reports. also eight. Okay. All right. Well, I could just ask you to share your journey and what brought you to this work, and we'd have 20 minutes of very interesting conversation, and I would love to hear about that. That said, we are a management and leadership podcast, and we like to talk about management and leadership in real life. So I just want you guys to keep it real. Don't align to some theory if you don't think it's actually practical for you. So please be candid. And here's the first question. The whole premise of our podcast is that it doesn't matter what quote unquote level you are in the organization. Both the practice of leadership and management matter. It's not just about leadership just because you're the country director, right? And so I am just curious on your take on that. And you can also feel free to disagree or like give a different take than we've given. So Meg, what's your take? I think you're right. I don't think there's a wide gap between management and leadership. And for me, I really feel like the part where I slip into leadership is modeling behaviors. Sometimes you have to make the hard decisions that nobody else wants to make or that are no fun to make. And so then that falls to the leader, I think, um, if you're doing it right. And then the other is setting the tone. For example, when we're having a hard day or a hard situation, to be the person that says, hey, pause, let's you know, look at the gifts of the situation. What are we learning? What are we going to change because of this? And then restart, right? So sort of that setting of the tone or the sort of the work culture response. But I think in my day-to-day, I have to put in practice all the management principles because I manage people, right? Not just lead people. Right, right. I love how you just said that. I don't just lead people, I manage them, right? So Maurizio. No, for, for me, leadership and management are two very important things that maybe have to work, work, work together. For me, management is more technical, you know, it's from, from the technical side, because as, me, as Meg is saying, uh, we are managers and we have to manage persons, we have to manage uh, problems, we have to manage uh, cultures, and we have to manage everyday, you know, issues. But in my case, leadership is more related to to lead with my example, mm-hmm. you know, with my, with my team what I want to achieve with my team, you know, despite my, my role, despite my manager uh, responsibilities, I want to lead with my, with my style, with, with my tone, but also with my example. That's, that's, that's for me the, 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 the light difference, difference between management and leadership. I actually have a follow-up question. One of the challenges in my career between management and leadership is, as I agree, you have to do both. Um, do you ever have a day or a time where you have a challenge flipping between the hands-on management technical attributes of your job and then pulling yourself back to think about setting the vision, the tone, and modeling the behaviors? Do you ever run into a time where that becomes a challenge? Constantly, Rose, because, you know, Meg and me, we, we work in the field now. And yesterday, for example, I was in a field office when we we're sharing with the team, you know, a very difficult decisions. So, so in that space, I was a very manager, you know, but, bef- but, but, but with my team directly, I had, I had to be a very leadership with my team because 
I need to understand my team. I need to, to, to bring them solutions because I am there with, I, I have to be with them in, in these difficult situations. Because of course, I am a manager taking difficult decisions, but in the other side, I have to be a person with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, yeah. yeah. Help them through those difficult decisions yeah, and executing under, exactly. the decisions on the exactly. ground. Yeah. Yeah. And that you're that you're not just leaving them to flail around and do it, that yeah, you're in yeah. there with them helping exactly. make it happen. Meg, what's your reaction to Rose's question? I agree totally. I often find that when we're sitting as a team or when we're trying to solve a problem and we disagree, that's when I have to move into the leadership role, right? When everything's flowing well, then it's just everybody does their technical piece. Everybody puts their inputs on the table. We decide how we're going to go together. No problems. It's when there's conflict that I have to shift into the leadership role. And sometimes I don't like the solution that we all come up with. Um, and then it's deciding whether or not, you know, I'm going to convince the team or whether or not they have to convince me. Again, I think it's for me, it's really setting the tone because I, I work with talented managers and other leaders, but that it's usually in moments of challenge where we have to flip. And I think we flip back and forth, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. Here's my yeah. experience. This is what I did in the past, but mm. here's where I want to go. Yeah, I'm going to ask, I'm going to dig on that one just a, a freckle deeper because you said something that was super intriguing to me. And, and I believe it, it was a, a point of light for something that we discussed in a previous podcast. Uh, we have a podcast around creating an environment of psychological safety where people can bring their issues, um, their concerns, their disagreements on execution plans or decisions to the table. And Meg, you noted something where you said, you know, sometimes my team and I don't agree. Uh, and and I think that's something that happens frequently with yeah. people and organizations. I mean, you don't wake up every day and agree with everybody you run into. In that scenario, what kind of methods do you use to bring the voices on the table and get that feedback out on the table? And then how, what's your process for making a decision? Okay, so so I think, in two scenarios. Right now, I'm working with a team of people who I have built trust with over time. So it's pretty easy to just put the decision out there and have a conversation or even a debate. My team is pretty clear that uh, the tough decisions do sit with me, but they know that I care deeply about their opinions and I trust their technical knowledge. And so I think that level of trust is very comfortable now and that we can debate. Right. When we were building the team and we've been in a building mode for a while, um, it I, I used a technique that I learned from a peace building course, which is go around the table and have everyone speak. Um, and that way everybody can prepare for when they're going to speak for the people who are introverted or need time to sort of set their thoughts. Um, but that everyone is participating. Everybody's voice needs to be heard. And that that has worked really well for me. Um, IRC is a very collaborative environment and we can talk a lot. And that sort of meets that criteria of everybody participates. Then people can begin to contribute at their own speed. Yes. Yes. I love that, Meg. Mauricio, what are your thoughts on this discussion? Oh, I, I agree what Meg is mentioning, but you know, it depends on the situation. Yeah. Because, because of course, uh, we are an, humani- an humanitarian organization, but we're trying to, 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 to hear and to uh, involve, you know, voices. But sometimes it's too much voices. And yeah, you, let's you, keep it real, and, man. And you know, Meg, that sometimes we need to, you know, to take 
hard decisions, fast decisions, and, and, and practically you, you don't have enough time, you know, to yeah. hear to a lot of voices. So you have to go move forward now. So, so it depends on the situation. Of course, sometimes you have, you know, time to sit with your team. Okay. What's your opinion? You have to hear them. Okay. They have good opinions. You can involve them in, in, in the decision making, but sometimes practically you don't. So you have to move and that's it. Well, and let's yeah. talk about the name of your program, like your Venezuelan crisis response, right? Yeah. So you might have to make a few quick decisions. Exactly. And I think though, uh, just because I know you, Maurizio, so I know this, I think the fact that you've built trust with your team enables them to be okay when when you know you just have to make the call and you have no time to consult. They know you, you guys have built a trust and relationship where they they kind of know where you're coming from on that. And you're not just trying to be the boss. Because this, I think this is an interesting angle that we didn't hit on the previous podcast. So I thank you very much, Mauricio, for bringing up this perspective. Sometimes you got to decide. So in those moments of crisis where, you know, we don't, we aren't afforded the opportunity to get the stakeholders in a room on a video call, get opinions on the table. How do you ensure that you have commitment versus compliance on the decisions that you made? How do you bring the team along with you in that scenario? No, good, good, good question. Maybe two things. One is with my direct team, we have a constant communication. So if I have to take a decision now, sure, in the next day or maybe tomorrow or later on, we have a small time to share with them what's going on. So what is happening in this moment? Communication. Yeah, yeah, and and the second point is, uh, I trust totally my team. I mm-hmm. always, I always say to to my team is one of the most important things for me, more than the professional skills, is the confidence. Mm-hmm. If there mm-hmm. is no confidence, I can work. I cannot work with you. You know, mm-hmm. for me, it's mm-hmm. most you know the top of the uh, things that I looking in an interview, for example, is I have to trust in you and you and me. And that's it. I love that. I got trained to deliver a Franklin Covery program called The Speed of Trust. And that program broke down trust into two elements. And you need both these elements in order to trust someone. One is their competence, right? They are competent. They know their work. The other is character, in that you, you, and that's sort of what you're speaking to, Maurizio, which is this like you have confidence in their intentions and that their head is oriented to the benefit of the organization, not themselves, you know, th- those kinds of things. So that's what that made me think of. So let's shift gears. Yeah. You want to shift gears a little bit? We have spent a lot of time on the first few episodes of this podcast really attacking the subtleties, the complementary nature and the differences between management and leadership and everything that comes with that, whether it be psychological safety for your team, how do you treat your employees with kindness and respect? How do you communicate, make decisions, recognize all again with the intent of building the performance and the output and the success of the overall team? So we talk a lot about things we've done wrong. And things that have been challenges. So I'm going to look at the other side of the coin and ask you a question about the other side of the coin. Let's start with you, Meg. What's been the most rewarding thing for you about managing and leading teams and organizations? So let's talk about the positive. I'm filled with the sense of joy right now, looking at where we have come. 
So when I started, we were a tiny operation, 17 people. We were struggling for funding and we've grown really fast. And that growth has been painful because you know constant change can be painful. Um, and to sit around uh, our senior management table yesterday and really contemplate the kinds of decisions we're making now versus what we were deciding before, the details rather than the big picture, like really getting it and, and working with this group of people who I now consider important parts of my life is the most rewarding thing. Just that idea of I work with great people and I've watched us grow together. So I talk a little bit about it with my daughter as this idea of like, we accompany each other in success and in challenges, right? This idea of accompaniment and, and that idea of community. And it's something I think that's really resonating out after the pandemic, this idea of being connected in person, um, community and how much we all missed it. But I'm feeling it around my management table. And that to me is the most rewarding piece. Yeah. Like I, I know that we've been successful, but I get to share that. I love that. How about you, Mauricio? <laughs> yeah, good. For me, the most rewarding thing is when you saw your team growing. Fortunately, I have many, you know, many, many cases that with my direct team that they are having a lot of opportunities to improve and to grow internally in the organization. So they are moving to other uh, managing positions within the organization and they, and they are doing a great job. And when I see the work that you are doing, I am feeling very, very, very proud. I have one of Mauricio's team members now as my director of operations. And it's fantastic to see her, you know, doing an excellent work and, and remember when we were working together. So it's, it's, it's very, you know, a very good feeling. And for the people that are listening to the pod and can't see the faces as they provided these answers, the light and passion and emotion that came across physically was just super inspiring. So thank you both. Yeah. And I remember Mauricio talking to you about you had recognized that a staff member in your organization was struggling. And you were just so committed to saying, that's okay. We're going to figure out a plan to help you figure out how to succeed. And you were so committed to that because you you can't do that in a day. Typically, it takes a little investment of time to help a person get back on track. We talked in a different episode about like, you have to decide what you stand for. And some people would just be like, get them out of here, fire them. I don't want them. They're not delivering. I just remember that. I just remember how committed you were to helping get that person on track and enabling that person's success, which I think worked, as I recall, like that person did get back on track and was doing great. Okay. Well, already coming to the end and it's killing me because I just adore talking with you guys. So Final question is, you've heard me say this, both of you, that it, leadership and management is a continual journey. I don't know anyone that's mastered it per se. There's always just a new challenge. And we all might remember when we first got a management position that odds are we were not prepared for it because nobody really talks about the people management side. Rose, if you could see Rose's face, you'd see her like, I was not prepared. Because nobody talks about the people management side of things. And so I'm just curious from each of you, and Maurizio, we'll start with you. Just to someone who is relatively new, although I have a feeling the advice will resonate regardless of how long you've been managing or leading, if you knew someone who was heading into 
a new role that has a people management and, and sort of team leadership aspect. What's a nugget of advice or just a learning you'd share with them? For me, it's very important that the person who is going to lead in others, it's very important that that people, you know, understand where is the other person, you know, what is this person doing and put in her pants or, or, or his pants, you know? The phrase be in their pants, which Maurizio just used, is the rough equivalent of saying walk a mile in their shoes. Okay, back to the discussion. Because I cannot lead persons, you know, outside, you know, from the desk, for example. If, if I have to lead person in the field, I have to be with them in the field. If I have to, if I have to take decisions that affect uh, uh, the work he's doing, for example, in, in certain office, I have to be with them. I have to sit together and to understand what I have to do. What can I do for you? For you know, what what what, what can we do together? Yeah, like really get to know your staff. And you know, have some level of understanding together. You know, that that's my 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 piece of uh, advice in this moment. In their pants, exactly. Yeah. So in their pants means in their shoes. The shoes. <laughs> we said in Spanish pants, so it's the same. It's such a different meaning in the U.S. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Thank you. And really just get to know your staff. Like you can't become a manager of people and not get to know them, not only as people, but in fact, what they're doing. Um, and you bring a good point when you manage a team that's not all where you are, that the, the and I experienced this myself a ton when I was... Uh, working in different organizations, like the power of going to visit that person in their office where they work is immense. And you don't need to do it all the time, but you need to do it at least once. And, and, and in our work, and Mac, in our countries, we need to understand, you know, mm-hmm. the context, yeah, you know, the differences, yep. the cultures, you know, because if not, yeah. Yeah, we, we used to call it going to Gemba. Which, which is, is the real place in translation, which is, you know, it refers to the real place where the value is created, where the people are working and where yes. the work is being done. Exactly. That's exactly yeah. right. We say go into the field, but that's the, the same, same thing. It's the same yep. idea. Like going, to, going as close to the clients as possible and listening to the people who are as close to our clients. And by clients, we mean, you know, the refugees. Uh, the um, people that we serve, refugees, migrants, and people who have experienced violence. So Meg, what's your little nugget you would share? I actually thought a lot about this because I feel like I have so many. Where do you want me to start? <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so the one that's been resonating with me recently and in the past year, really, Dana, um, and this is something I talk to you a lot about, which was this idea of setting expectations. Having grown really fast with a lot of pe- new managers managing new people. We're all coming from different places and we're all coming from different cultures and different experiences and other work cultures. So this idea of like, do what, how well, with what, by when, right? Just be really clear on your expectations. And then... With the expectations clear, I feel like you can build the relationship, right? So we're all working from the same place. Yeah. So really, you know, yeah. with a new manager, be like, if there's one thing you can do, just focus on everybody having a common understanding of what success looks like. Exactly. Yeah. And, and it right. exactly. might, as you're getting to know each other, you might need to have really detailed conversations about that. They'll do what, with what, how well, and with whom. Right. What are the collaborations and what are the partner organizations that you're working yeah. with? Yeah. So you cannot start to understand the ties between your between your organization. 
Oh my God, I love it. Meg is showing the sticky note that lists the duet with what? I have it on the sticky note um, on my desk. I need it. Like I need it in every meeting, right? Remind myself to continue doing that basic management step of defining expectations, which I've been managing for a really, really long time. Um, and I still have to remind myself to do that. I, I think that's a super important message, Meg, because I, I think people, and I used to teach classes just to reinforce some of the things that I preached, right? <laughs> because even even experienced leaders and managers in times of overload or crisis or urgency kind of forget the fundamentals. So I think every one of us who has led and managed teams has a sticky note or a slide or a piece of paper or a note in your notebook that just reinforces the fundamental beliefs of your principles. So you don't forget them in a time of you know, in a time of pressure. So under pressure, you're creating diamonds, right? By reinforcing yeah. the right behaviors. Yeah. And role modeling them, as right. you said earlier in the pod. So it, what we yep. do, Meg and Mauricio, at the end of every podcast is Dana and I do a session called Hot Takes. Hot, 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 hot. hot Takes. And we would like to invite you to participate in the hot takes today. So we will ask you to just share one thing that you will take away from this podcast, a learning, an observation, anything that we would think would be valuable to share with the listeners. So mine is, I really think the common theme in so much of what all of you were saying to every question was this importance of having a genuine relationship with who you work with. And that if you as a manager, approach your staff like robots that, you know, aren't individuals and that should just do what you say when, like a machine, odds are you're not going to enable their best performance. All of you just emphasize so much um, how important it is to really know your staff and what they do and their approaches and their character, getting to know them. So that's a hot take from me. I really loved how you guys mentioned psychological safety in a team environment. And I don't usually use those words, but I think it's exactly right. And it, and and using those words makes it feel even more important. This idea that we all come from different places, particularly our staff are from different countries, and we have different experiences with leadership. And so really creating a sense of psychological safety to be a good leader and manager seems really key. I love it. Cool. And guess what? Podcast coming out about that very topic shortly. Excellent. Mauricio, what's your hot take? Now, for me, maybe it's uh, when I saw the, the invitation and the, and, the, and, the, and the possible questions, remember me that I am a human being working in a humanitarian organizations, working with other human beings, and that we have a lot of space of you know communication, respect, rowing, and a lot of uh, differences, cultures, and this is very important for me and uh, have the opportunity to work in this uh, kind of open organizations. Yeah, yeah. I love that, Mauricio. And let me bring it home, Dana, and then we will wrap. So I have one from each of you because, as I love to say, every exchange is an opportunity to learn, and I learn more from these podcasts than I am certain I contribute. So first, I'm going to go to a comment that you made, Meg. We accompany each other mm. in our successes. 
Mm-hmm. And I'm going to leave it with that. I think it needs no other context or explanation. Yeah. Uh, and then for you, Mauricio, the reminder of walk in your employee shoes, as we used to say, go to Gemba, or as you would say, live in their pants. <laughs> so, <laughs> I think we're all saying their the shoes. same thing, which is go experience <laughs> your employees' frontline experience everyday activities such that you can better understand how they contribute value, where they contribute value, and how you can harness that value. Yeah, and enable it. Well, I'm I'm sad this is ending because I adore both of you. And I just, it's so wonderful to see you. So thank you again for making time in what I know is an incredibly busy, demanding time for you. And just thank you very, very much. Thank you, Dave. And I would like to send my personal thanks as well. It was wonderful meeting you both. The work that you do as I was researching your background is incredibly inspiring. So to have you on the pod has been an absolute blessing. And I will close with a shout out to our sound engineer, Chris. Thank you again, Chris, for all your work, Chris Burns. And with that, it's a wrap. All right, that's it. Thank you for spending some of your precious time with us today. Odds are you don't have a lot of it and we appreciate you listening in. And we'd love to hear from you. What are your questions or thoughts on the topic of management and leadership in real life? Send us an email. We will discuss your question or thought if you send it and you can find our email on our podcast landing page. So until next time, cheers to all of you out there doing your best to deliver for your teams, your organizations, and yourselves.